dun 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 that's all I. That's all I know. The Doctor Who <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Hello Governor the podcast, where we're not going to be looking at the best and worst of 2013. We're actually going to be doing a special of Doctor Who. And as always, I'm Abdullah, and with me today is Doctor Who expert, and I say expert because he knows more about the shit than I do. Uh, Tom. Hi. Hi guys. <laughs> I index on it, whatever. So yeah, let's get this started. Um, we're not just going to be talking about like the 50th anniversary and uh, the Christmas special. And uh, before we start, first of all, spoilers for everything. Yeah. Spoilers for uh, the weird 50... over a lot of things that's going to be happening in the, in the new seasons it, since it's come back. We're going to go over a lot of things. Yeah, we're going to go for, through a lot of stuff, and yes, we are going to mention some classics, yeah. and it's it's because we're not going to like just talk about like normal uh, Doctor Who. We're just going to look back at, at it's 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 more of a retrospective yeah, of of much. of the of the previous stuff. And so, if this episode's like three hours long, I'm sorry, but you know it it you know. We've, I mean, the podcast has been on a hiatus for so long, and I want to make it up to you guys. So here's a, like a three-hour Doctor Who. <laughs> so where should we begin? Should there's been a quite a special year for Doctor Who, considering that this has been the 50-year anniversary of Doctor Who. Well, I will talk about my favorite 50th anniversary special, oh, the Five Doctor Doctors reboot ish. Oh, that that was, was awesome. That was brilliant. I love that. It's just like it plays on the whole fact that these old, the older people who played the Doctor before want to be in the special, but they, you know, they're not going to be in the special, and they basically played it up so much. I thought it was very well done. There's a great in joke as well because um, there, there is an actual Five Doctor special which I would recommend people go and watch. But uh, basically, Tom Baker's not actually in the Five Doctor, the original Five Doctor special, and they played that up again in the Five Doctorists again. Yeah, when they call him up and he's like, well, I'd love to be there, but I'm stuck enough time for it. again. Oh, my God. And the fact that they just got everyone involved, like fucking Paul McGann, Sylvester McCoy... Colin Baker, just all these guys, and they're just funny as fuck. And also the other thing I like about it, they even got people who are the non-actors as well to get involved with it as well, which I'll even love even more. I think the funniest thing for me was when they finally sneak on the set and they look in inside a Dalek and it's Russell T. Davis. Yeah. I laughed my ass off when that happened. Because yeah. I really didn't see that coming. For those of you who don't know, uh, Russell T. Davis, he was the showrunner from, from two, yeah, 2005 to 2010. It was just great seeing everybody again because like, this to me is what is so fun about Doctor Who. Like, the fact that these guys, they, they know they haven't, they're not going to do anything as close as being good as like Doctor Who. And, yeah. And I just, I just love it, you know. And I love Sylvester McCoy making so many Peter Jackson, uh, Peter Jackson. Jokes. Yeah, because the reason why for people don't know about it is because he's been in in the last two Hobbit films at the moment, so he's kind of back in the limelight a little bit. So you know, so he he's been he's been in the last two Hobbit. Films. And also speaking of Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson and Ian McKinnon make a cameo in this special as well. Yeah. I agree. 
It's just so funny. I mean, I, I love the part where he's just sitting there and he looks at his phone. And he's like, oh, no, it's Peter Jackson. Oh, that made brilliant. And basically, Peter Jackson, like, he can't get hold of him. Basically, runs over to Ian McKinnon. He's like, right, Ian, we've got a bit of a problem. We can't find him. Can you act this scene on your own? And basically, he just, he pauses for a few seconds. And he turns to him and went, I thought you could do a better job of him not being here. <laughs> Africa, just just stuff like that is just so funny and 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 it's just like this to me is what Doctor Who should have you know should be and and looking back at this I I, I wanted this to be a series I wanted it I wanted these guys to like do do a series where it's similar to like uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm where they play like twisted versions of themselves and well, and them getting treated like shit. I've got to say Colin Baker did came off a bit of twisted fucker in this as well because then his family all sitting down they're like it's like oh I told you to hide that DVD no he found it and he said he said don't worry I locked all the doors we're going to be watching this again. <laughs> I think it was the trials. I think it was the the time trials of one of the time trials of the Doctor or something like that. Uh, the trial of the Doctor, I think that was. Yeah, like and that's the called. longest one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which, uh, for those of you who don't know, why that's the longest one, where there was a lot of controversy during during his run about the show being too violent, and they wrote that episode because it was it was sort of like them poking fun at at. Um, at, at the trial of the show, like the, the show itself was on trial for saying, you know, oh, you're too violent, you're doing stuff your previous incarnations didn't do, and all this and stuff. It and it didn't help that the show, the original showrunner, went a bit mad at the time when when um, Colin, well, the showrunner who was at the charge of the time was around the time where Peter Dayson, done before Colin Baker was um, showrunner, he left the show because of the main showrunner. Colin Baker came in. And he was promised all these different things. Like he promised, like he wanted a costume like um, Crystal Exxon did in when they first went back in two thousand five. But he ended up getting the rainbow coat instead. I like that look because you know it just it worked for his character. Yeah, it did. Because I, I I mean Colin Breaker kind of grew on me because I love his doctor. His doctor is the ultimate fucking asshole, and that's what I love about it. He would you know his introduction yeah. episode. He's batshit insane in that episode, the twin dilemma, and it's just like, I love this guy, and I wish he w- and I wish he didn't get fired. I mean, because because you know, I think his character would have developed if he if he hadn't gotten fired. From, from, from what the writer said, the reason why he was such a dick in the whole show, originally he was going to go on this long journey of redemption and stuff like that when he becomes a nice guy again. That was the whole point. But like you just said, the show went off course. It went on. And I think it was like eighteen month hiatus at one point as well, so it was all over the place, and yeah, it just didn't happen. And then he he went. He wanted to be there longer than Tom Baker, madly. If you think <laughs> you think that's mad. Well, I mean, be, I mean, well, for those who don't know, uh, Tom Baker is the longest running Doctor. He he started in like I think nineteen seventy four, and it ended in nineteen all to nineteen eighty one, I think. Yeah, and he was forty when he did it, and and when the show when his run ended, he was forty seven. So. He spent his entire forty, almost his entire forties, doing Doctor Who, and that's really insane. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and keep in mind, he's about in his eighties now when he turned up in the special. Yeah, uh, but like the, the fifty, the fifty anniversary special itself, I'm like, eh, could have been better. Well, the actual fiftieth. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it for what it was. To be honest, it's like it, it basically delivered what I think what needed to be delivered. Basically, continuing the story arc. It basically gave us new content to look, look forward to in the future. 
I so to be honest, it was it was, it was a nice seeing like um, David Tennant um, back on the screen, and also see John Hurt's Doctor as well. Um, the one thing I was disappointed with was that um, I thought Billy Piper was a bit of a waste in it, though. She was good. She was really, really good in it. It's just the fact that she just didn't act with anyone else apart from John Hurt Doctor. Because she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't play as... Billy Piper doesn't play as Rose, even though she's credited as Rose. She plays the interface of this um, this Time Lord technology that's supposed to interact with the Doctor, or the War Doctor, as it's called. Uh, I, I, I just never liked John Hurt's character because I'm thinking to myself, you know, you could have cast anybody in this fucking role and it would have it wouldn't have made a difference. I think they cast. I think John Hurt did a fantastic job, but I can see where you're coming from. Basically, it's a very simple story art structure. Basically, guy goes on redemption, doesn't know what to do, has final wits, and basically going to do the ultimate sacrifice. You know who who, sh- who should have played him? Paul McGann, because I'm sorry, after the fu- uh, he got screwed over hard, and I love Paul McGann. I will defend Paul yeah. McGann. I think he's a great doctor. He could have been amazing, and I and I do rank him high up on my favorite doctors list because he was just so charming in that movie, so great, had so much potential. Yeah, he came and, to do the. The one-off special as well. Which... Yeah, I mean, he came back and I loved it, and I'm like, why couldn't you just get him to do it? You know, because it's his. It, because it's his story. It's the Eighth Doctor story. It's not this fucking forgotten incarnation that wasn't mentioned until now. Yeah, yeah. that that's gonna be one of the reasons I got to talk about the Christmas special in a second. But there's still a few more things we need to speak about the fiftieth before we go on to that. Um. Yeah, just, it, it, there's the one thing I did like about the fifth year, it had so many references to older Doctor Who, which I like. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of great, and, and I can't really harp too much on it, because, you know, with previous specials, all those all, old specials were just uh, tributes to Doctor Who, like, you look at you look pa- back at, like, the three Doctors, it was just a, a giant tribute to the first three Doctors, it I wasn't like... The five Doctors was the same as well, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah I mean, because I can't really harp on these specials, like... You know, because they're not really high on story. They're just like, oh, you know, it wouldn't be cool if we got, like, the third and second Doctor together. And and really, the fun of these specials is just seeing all these old guys interact with each other because their Doctors are so different. And, you know... And they play off... uh, In all the specials, I felt that they all played off each other so well, weirdly, in a really good way. In a comical way and a serious way at the same time. Yeah. Especially... (laughs) no, again, a Colin Baker episode, I know it's not popular, but I love the two Doctors. I yeah. think it's a stupid fucking episode, but just seeing, like, the second Doctor one last time and him interacting with one of his, you know, newer incarnations, that was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm sorry, because, you know, that's to me what the magic of Doctor Who is. It's like, you can have different actors play Doctor Who, and just having them interact with each other on screen, it's just magical. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't really, you know... It, the thing with the Doctor is that he's a very interesting character and you can portray him in so many different ways and every single actor who played him have portrayed him in different ways which I think is fantastic. Yeah, that's what I love about this series is that sure, they get a new actor every time but each character, each actor is different. I mean, Tom Baker was over the top and, and, and crazy but he was also smart and, you know... William Harper was serious and stern. Yeah, 
Uh, well, Davidson was just boring. I didn't like him, but you know, he was he has his fans. I mean, I'm not one of them. I mean, I I I love some of his run, but most of his run just wasn't really. Yeah, it wasn't for me. Um, like I said, Colin Baker, he 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 had an arc that didn't finish because of production problems and. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, another one of my favorites, because I because he got developed. Like, sure, he was on like the 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 end run of the classic series, but he was great. Oh, like he started out as like a goofball, but then as the series went on, he became more darker and and more serious. And I just loved him. He was great. He was really funny, really really talented, and very underrated in my opinion. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, it's just, and also the thing was that. Um, when the when John Pertwee came onto the show, he gave more of an action vibe to it as well. He would he he would often go, would karate chop someone to basically do deal with the situation. Oh, he, I remember because a funny story because I remember I him saying, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I remember him because he was the most difficult to work with because he said he he's gone on record saying he hates the Daleks. He just thinks that they're stupid and he yeah. just does not like them. He's very particular <laughs> when it comes to his lines. He's like. But apparently they found one line that he liked so much, and he reused it again and again and again in every single episode he's been in. Uh, I, I reversed the polarity by the something. Yeah. It was always, I reversed the polarity. That was his favorite catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, because like, the writers knew that he was difficult to work with. So the, the writer was surprised when he found out, oh, you like it. So basically they like, okay, we need to put this line in as much of the episodes as possible. So he says it. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's a scene in the Three Doctors where he, where he says, "I reverse the polarity of the blah blah blah," and just looking at the other two, looking at him, is like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what he's on about. <laughs> Pretty much, and also he was the more Earth-based Doctor out of all the Doctors. Well, he had more episodes based on Earth than out most of the classic Doctors, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Because you know, again, he, he got was stranded, very... he got stranded on Earth. That's the thing, and he didn't really left Earth until. Oh god, I think it was like, I think it's like after the Three Doctors itself. So he was on Earth for quite a while. Oh, yeah, I mean it. It's really interesting because each era doc, doc, is Doctor is uh, different. You know, they're not always the same run. I mean, it's it's it, it, it all depends on your personal taste. I mean, and uh, yeah. Anything else you want to say about the fiftieth before we go on? Um, I also got to admit, um. I just, I just thought, I just thought it basically followed up the um, season finale as well, quite well as well. Like, did the whole, you know, the whole thing, the name of the Doctor and everything like that. It followed that up quite well with the Great Intelligence and stuff like that. It, it basically followed on from the from the previous season to the special quite well. And the thing I love about the fiftieth is that a lot of people who watched it. I spoke to a non Doctor fan who watched it, got it. That's that's what I feel Doctor Who should be. It's basically. You you watch it, you get it. That's that's the type of thing that that's the type of Doctor Who I like. And when I when I see people who non fans that watch it get it, that makes me even smile even more. Yeah, I mean, because again, you know, it's it's not a hard special to understand. It's not the most complicated story. I mean, it's just simple. It's just John Hurt's story of okay, what happened to the to the eighth Doctor and. And again, it's it's basically like the coming of age story where he's just bitter and and miserable and and they have he has these two future incarnations come up to him and say, hey, dude, this is what's gonna happen, you know, you don't have to do this and and it's just 
That's what it is, really. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I thought Matt Smith and David Tennant had such good chemistry with each other on screen as well. Oh, yeah, because, God, I love David Tennant. He's my favorite doctor, and it was just... Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun seeing him again. Yeah, I just like loved, <laughs> I just loved this, the oh god, it, it was a deleted scene though. But they basically when they said when they said why are you wearing sand shoes? Because sand shoes are cool. Sand shoes bring the business and stuff like that. It's quite funny. Oh, and the and my favorite line: wibbly wobbly, timey wobbly. What on earth? Where you got that from? And then sorry, David Tennant. He's the original one that said it. Went. I have no idea. He <laughs> passed it off because I think Matt Smith have said that line more times than David Tennant have. That, that's the thing about it. <laughs> Where did he get that from? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> passed off. It wasn't him. But yes. Oh god. And also, it was the specials went through all different times. The thing I like about this was basically it was a focus. It was a story just focusing on the Doctor. Sure, there were villains there, like the Saigons were the main focus of the villains up there, and the Cybermen turned up at the beginning, and then there were some Daleks here and there. But I thought, I thought it was quite good. It was quite good. And also the references as well, like I mentioned, like the Black Bolt when the whole episode concludes, and you see everything in there. From stuff like from like River Song shoe, they consider it as deadly weapons. Yeah, it's it's, it's so many fucking references. Yes, but, uh, Matt Matt Fez bringing back his Fez, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and also Amy's um, Ferris, uh, um, what's it, uh, power sail thing in the corner of the room. Also, no, yeah, just just so much stuff. The giant so magnets from Doomsday in there as well. But the biggest one, which actually does include, does linked into the story a bit is Jack Captain Jack's time vortex. His time manipulator. Oh yeah. <laughs> we basically how basically um Clara goes back in time to get all the free docs to bring him back to the present. To basically break him yeah. out of jail and stuff like that. Which I thought Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Good. But there's one slight problem with that is basically they said they got it off him where when um Torchwood and Cardiff blow up. So let me get it straight. So you're telling me that you got it off him, considering that it basically that was established that his whole entire body got blewed up and nothing on him survived. Oh boy, <laughs> that's a bit of a plot hole there that needs to be explained. But you know, I'm not really harping on that too much because I think a lot of people who watch this special might have. I think they probably have seen that special Torchwood because Children, Children on Earth, is it Children on Earth? Children? Yeah, Children on Earth was probably the best special out of that. But yes. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I wasn't a big Torchwood fan, so I, I, I didn't keep up with that continuity. Yeah, that one. I just wanted to point that out because um, because a lot of people I knew watched Torchwood as well did say that. I went, hang on a minute, didn't he blew up and everything on him blew up in the pieces as well? <laughs> no, literally, I'm not kidding. They put a bomb inside of him which blew him up and blew up his whole entire base. So there you go. <laughs> um, but speaking of stuff that's over convoluting, oh, what about that Christmas special? Oh, uh, I'm glad I saw it because I can finally say, yeah, uh, you done it. Uh, what's this? Uh, you done it, Moffat. Uh, you actually wrote something that's actually worse than uh, Super Dalek Rangers. <laughs> oh, that may be going a little bit too far, but. Oh, ouch! But it, it just—oh, it's just not very good. It's just—it felt so rushed, so rushed, and 
I mean, I understand. Okay, I understand. You know, Matt Smith left. It le- you know, it, it, his announcement came as sh- as shocking, and and that's always a problem. Where if if an actor is leaving and his character's run is not over, you have to work really fucking hard to to you know. Yeah, you have to work around it quite a bit. Yeah, and he couldn't. There's no way he could have like. They even had to make a joke. The reason why he was bald in one scene in the actual production of Doctor in the production of the special as well. Yeah, which was kind of weird, but <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> but the problem with it is just like I knew, I knew he couldn't like do it. He couldn't wrap up his the story of the Eleventh Doctor because there you can tell there are still scripts sitting on his desk of stories that he wanted to tell but he can't because you know Matt Smith left suddenly and now he's like shit yeah that's <laughs> that's the reason why you, i think this is um a reddit for news report that Barney Moffat went to Russell T Davison and said does that theory still work with the fact that um Peter McCropoli actually has appeared in Tortured and Doctor Who so and apparently that's going to be addressed he played two different characters, once in Doctor Who and once in Torchwood. Well, Colin Baker played a different character who shot the Doctor yes, and... Yeah. yeah, so it doesn't fucking matter. Well, I, I know that, but I think it basically might tie in for this, the new Doctor, the the 13th Doctor to come in, and it might... It'd be, it'd be interesting to see how it goes, because um, I know Colin Baker wasn't a huge part in the whole special, in that whole episode, for I can remember. Yeah, but, you know, still, like, you can... Oh, Moffat, just stop explaining stuff that doesn't need to be explained. Yeah. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. This what this episode suffers from quite badly, I feel, is that you really, really got to rack your head around the history of Doctor Who, especially the last four or, five, four or three years, especially the whole time Matt Smith long. You really have to think back to what the fuck's going on. Could they bring back the silence? The Weepy Angels are back. The Cybermen are back. The dark and all of them back. don't do. And all of them like don't do shit. They really don't. We get more it's, interaction with the silence than anything else. Yeah, it's just, none of them did shit in that fucking special. And also, they made this whole big deal of wooden Cybermen, but they would take care and off quite quickly. Oh, don't even fucking mention that wooden Cybermen. That was fucking retarded. I can understand. So you've made... How does it work? I mean, the Cybermen, they're cyborgs, so how is it possible that they can build one out of wood and it works properly? I can I can buy I can buy that, because Doctor Who have had some really silly monsters and silly concept for monsters. It's just... It was just like... It's just like, yeah, we got, well, look, 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 everyone in the posters and see, wooden Cybermen. And it's just like, yeah, they're easily took and care of, like, within five minutes, and that was it. Not to mention, oh, so we built a wooden Cyberman to, to infiltrate this town called Christmas, which is fucking stupid, which, but whatever. <laughs> mentioned that's supposed to be um, the doctor's resting place. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, so it's like, oh, so it's like, yeah, we built the we built this wooden Cyberman to infiltrate Christmas, and what what weapon do they give him? A flamethrower, you know, because that makes fucking sense. Yeah, because the um, the, the the planet that they're on called Trenzador, and for those who know Doctor Who, is basically Trenzador supposed to be the resting place of the Doctor. He's, yeah, the because he's buried. Because I, because you know, I'm so subtle and I'm so smart. You know, <laughs> just no. Uh, you know, no. So they, no. They brought back. Um, well, I wouldn't say brought back officially, but they basically have 
brought basically mentioned Gareth Ray again. So Gareth Ray is kind of in the picture now again. Because 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 I felt I I thought that after the end of the 50th anniversary, I'm thinking, okay, so you're building up to the next story, the main story arc for the next se- series, which is. Doctor wanting to restore Gallifrey back to its former glory. Are we going to see him try to do that in the Christmas special? Nope. Okay. <laughs> yeah. it basically, that shit. They were basically just there to be a MacGuffin to basically explain why the Doctor got the extra life. Oh, we got a new set of lives. We don't know yet. That wasn't even explained to us. Or, uh, to give you an idea, that they brought back the cracking time again, which I thought the Doctor sealed up because... But it, it, yeah, that really pissed me off. It's like, oh yeah, it's still there. What? You sealed it. I saw you. You fucking sealed it. So they brought the crack in time. This one, I mean, you really have to think back what's been going on. So keep keep in mind. So already we have the Dalek, Cybermen, the Weeping Angel, the Silence. We've got the crack in time back as well. Oh, Christ. And also, I'm surprised, they, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised they didn't throw in Devros and the Master in there for good fucking measure. They were referenced. <laughs> they, they, they yeah, were, I know. <laughs> the Master was referenced along with uh, the leader of the Time Lords as well, um, Russell, I think his name. I can't remember what his name is, but he was the one played by Timothy Dolphin in the uh, End of Time special, the last ever ten one. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, come on, man. None of them did shit, you know, and once again, it's like after all is said and done, the Daleks are still the main fucking villains because God for fucking bit, Stephen Moffat writes a new original fucking villain. Well, the thing was that basically the Weepy Angel was just there. I, I think they were like the less villain to focus on the whole special. They didn't really do anything. Even the Cybermen had more to do with it than everyone else. And also, this was kind of weird. I'd never noticed this, but this Doctor Who episode, a huge, huge time lapse. Oh, yeah. It's on that planet for over 500 years. So it's like, wait, what? So the Doctor's now, was it 1,800 years old or something like that now? I understand. I, I like. I understand what he was doing with the aging because he's like, oh, it's the final, his final life, so he finally, you know, can age properly like normal humans do. But I'm thinking to myself, yeah, no, they you already fucked up. You already yeah. fucked up with the war doctor, so it, you know. They're much like the war doctor, and also they did address it with Matt Smith when they basically said to him, "Oh, how old are you?" He said, "Oh, I'm um, was it 700 years old." And then when they, it was the episode where um, the Doctor dies when he got killed by Riversong. And when they meet him again, they said he's 900 years old and he didn't age once. But you're telling me he was on a planet for, I don't know, like 500, 600 years and he aged quite a bit. And it was just, I mean, I have no problem with Matt Smith's, you know, doctor. I kind of, you know, he was kind of rough around the edges for me because, you know, David Tennant was so great and all, but... God damn, that motherfucker cannot act old. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he's... I think it was one of the complaints that people gave him when he first became the Doctor. They said, no, he's too young. He can't do old. <laughs> and, 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 and because he's supposed to be an old man, and I'm thinking to myself, God damn it, motherfucker, you're 31, okay? <laughs> I did like the fact that when he was when he was like really, really old, he's walking around with a cane and stuff like that. It did look kind, he looked kind of similar to the first Doctor in some sense. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get what they were trying to do, and with the makeup, they were trying to make yeah. him look like William Hurtthaw at the end, but, yeah. yeah. 
Because yeah. I remember, oh, in the, in the scene where she visit, where Clara visits him when he's all old and stuff, that reminded me of Hook, where Peter Pan goes to visit Wendy and she's old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm oh. old, Peter. We can't go on adventures anymore. <laughs> I can't fly out the window. I want to pull my hips. But if I was Kevin Nash, I'd pull my quads instead. <laughs> It was just, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't take it seriously, and I'm thinking to myself, and I'm sorry, what, what, did Clara do anything in this special that really, uh, she had a turkey, turkey cooking in the TARDIS, <laughs> and also, well, she did, she actually convinced the Time Lords to give the Doctor new life. Oh, it was like, I believe in him, so you should too, oh, okay. <laughs> of all the time he saved you and everything like that, basically she gave her epic, well, it was basically epic, emotional dialogue speech. Tiny little ball, like, comes out from the crack, crack seals up magically again. And um, the Doctor, this, 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 this is one, my one, one thing I've got to say about it, is that it went into the Doctor, I think him and the Man, and, Man of Steel Superman will get along now, because they blew up, he took out the whole time fucking town. Okay, I like that scene, because, you know, uh, it was it was really epic, because, like, live from Gallifrey, boys, and he just... He just shoots down every single spaceship with his regeneration powers, and he blew up the city log with it. Genocide, motherfuckers! Yeah, but yeah, again, everyone was conveniently put in the one building, the one building in the whole town that didn't get blown up. <laughs> But it was a really, but again, that bit was epic when he's like, he's basically there and he's like, he's regenerating. And then finally he goes into the TARDIS and the first one, the first thing you see on the floor, basically apart from him taking off all his like old rags and stuff like that, you see the, um, what's it, the um, fish fingers and custard, which was a nice little yeah. part back to his first appearance. And oh, not to... Oh yeah, what we forgot to mention. Didn't you love his comedy sidekick, the the old Cyberman head that was broken? Oh god. <laughs> oh god. When are you gonna fix it? When when I got the time? When is that? And it's like, oh god, shut up. Yeah. Is it wrong that I felt more sad when it died than when he regenerated? Yeah, I did so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, God damn it, you never fixed him, you bastard. <laughs> you just let him die. It's just like... oh, my, oh my god, it reminded me of that Simpsons episode where, he's, where Homer's like, I'll always finish something, and then a robot comes out and he's like, Father, why won't you give me legs, Father? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's a really old episode of Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> and he just throws them out on the street. I, I expected Matt Smith to do the same, where once the the cyber had died, he would just throw him out. Yeah. <laughs> they never explain how he got that cyber head. It's just oh, it's just there. Yeah. Okay. It's there. Just, <laughs> that's what people need to expect when you go into the special. You just have to understand that head is just there. No explanation. It's just there. God, because I kind of have a feeling he wanted to do some some comedy with that, and I, and I get that, but come on, man, it's just really fucking stupid. I gotta admit that out of all the Christmas special, we you might have we probably said this already, but um, we said the Christmas specials is normally a good time for non-casual viewers to get into Doctor Who to watch it. Yeah, it and this was torture for them. It was confusing as all fuck because you have to. If if you haven't watched it, you have to watch all of Matt Smith's run just to to, to know what the fuck's going on oh, here. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. It's like, cool, cool. my, my um, stepdad, he hasn't watched it for the last three years, so basically he hasn't watched it at all during the whole time Matt Smith run. And he was getting what was going on, but at the same time, he's like, huh? <laughs> and it felt, it felt even more horrible for my grandparents as well, because they had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Back in my day, <laughs> Cybermen were just stupid men in suits. <laughs> yeah. It was so fun. And I don't know, the one thing that did make me laugh, one, one, my grandma was just one uh, guess, 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 guess what she was more interested in while we were watching it? What? The whole subplot with, with, with the turkey cook, would, would be cooked or not. <laughs> She actually said, I wonder if that turkey's ready. <laughs> oh, my. And another scene that really fucking pissed me off was like, okay, shit's getting real. All the Doctor's enemies are fighting him. What do they cut to? Clara sitting sad with with her family on Christmas. Yeah. God damn it. That's the first time I've actually seen her family, because her family are quite heavily referenced when she first... Not going to say when she first appeared, but when she first came into the show as a proper companion. And it was just really fucking stupid because it was just like tripe. It was this typical, yeah, I believe in Santa Claus. Do you? <laughs> type yeah. bullshit. And also, his her nan's actually played by the old the old lady from um, was it Benadol, which made me laugh a little bit. I I don't know who that is. Oh, uh, so. for, for anyone watching this, if you watch Benadol, it's a co- comedy show that basically set out Benadol in Spain. It's, it's quite funny. It's worth watching. <laughs> Imagine a bunch of white British people going on a day to Spain each year. Oh God! Yeah, that's the best way to describe that. And also, I did find quite funny when he walks into the room and everyone's looking shocked, and then the doctor realizes, "Hang on, everyone else can see me naked except for you." <laughs> oh God! Just, just so much stuff that just doesn't make sense. Not to mention, like, it just rushes the story along with the stupid narrator. Uh, years passed, and the doctor did this, and the doctor did that, and I'm like, um, wouldn't it be cool to to show us this instead of just telling us? Oh, okay, <laughs> bring in the narrator. <laughs> Surprise, God, it would have been cool if it was Tom Baker because I I love that dude's voice. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. No, no, no Tom ba- Baker, probably in between the lines, he'd probably say, "You want a Jedi, Jedi baby." <laughs> like so, uh, I just want him to do a narrator and and him saying so. Matt Smith is going to be regenerating. Wait a minute, he only did this shit for three years. I did it. <laughs> I did it since my mid forties. You telling me that he's a professional? I can't believe this. I'm going back to <laughs> but, uh, little Britain. Uh, but you know what? Honestly, back to the fiftieth for like one one last thing we I forgot to mention. Tom Baker's appearance. Oh. Just sealed it. Sealed it. Yeah. And also the round things on the wall as well. (laughs) But I was really disappointed where he's like, I wanted him to to go into his pocket, pull out a Jelly Baby, and just offer it to him. (laughs) I just wanted that. That was one of the one missed opportunities in that special, which I was like, oh, come on, you should have done that. (laughs) But, oh, God, it's just... Like, I can forgive the 50th anniversary for not being, like, really good story-wise, because, again, it's a special, and, you know, it's an anniversary special, so they were never really good story-wise, but this, this is just, oh. The thing with the anniversary special, probably the strongest one out of all of them probably had to be the three Doctors, but the 50th does come close to that. Anyone who watches Doctor Who realizes the the anniversary episodes when, when they have, like, all the Doctors meet up and stuff like that, what people need to realise about those is that they're just there to celebrate what Doctor Who is, and I thought the 50th Doctor Who was probably fired by one of the best out there. 
Yeah, it was really good. So I can like forgive that, but this this is just garbage. This is like the Chris, yeah, the, it's not that bad. I would say it's not as bad as the Lion Witch on the Wardrobe one. Well, I mean, it is not as bad as like Nightmare and Silver. Nightmare and Silver was just a fucking abortion of an episode. <laughs> yeah, Nightmare and Silver was rushed quite badly. Yeah, <laughs> so Silver did had some good moments, but then you just scratch your head and you're like, "Wait, they can run super fast now!" Wait, what? <laughs> wait, 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 the way they adapt to their environments. What? What? I, I I really expected a Cyberman to just start breakdancing in that episode for no yeah. fucking reason. <laughs> apparently, the original script for that changed heavily during time of the production filming it. Apparently, um. The writer wrote it, said that he originally wanted an image of all the Cybermen walking out of walking out of the ocean from from Brighton to appear appear on the um, on the beach coming out from from under Brighton Pier. I thought that'd be amazing, but now looking at the episode, you're like, well, where the hell is that scene? Because <laughs> it's one of those ideas where it's like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if we just had this scene and we built a story around it, but that never happened. <laughs> you know. Cool concept. Plan went out the window. Okay, let's set it in space on an amusement park. Oh, and I will say this. Look, as as much as I harp on the Christmas special, yeah, now that, now that I think about it, nothing will be as bad as fucking Mighty Morphin Dalek Rangers. That was just fucking awful. Yeah, the Dalek Rangers were very... And the thing is, the thing I love about it, if you notice, the last two specials, they don't show any of the new Daleks. Yeah, because because <laughs> everyone because I remember when when that episode aired, everyone got pissed. I think one of the reason why they went back to that as well because I was speaking to someone I knew who works quite close in kind of close in the industry with it, but he basically he was telling me apparently those new Dalek toys were not selling. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that was what that's what they did it because it's like, oh, we we have these new Dalek action figures we want to sell. Can you put them in the show? Yeah, that's what it was. Well, that's what it felt like, and oh God, we have, it okay. was it was it was yeah, it was it was really garbage. Like it was really fucking garbage. I'm surprised they didn't make a fucking rainbow dar. Uh, what's his face? Rainbow Dalek. Uh, yeah. <laughs> rainbow Dash Dalek. Or Devoros with fucking. Sparkle action. <laughs> you have awesome world, Dalek. When he basically said, "I'm here to kill smaller toys by being a bigger toy." God, I want an action figure of Devoros from the what was it? Uh, Res- Resurrection of the Daleks at the end of that scene where he where he where the foam is coming out and he's like, "I am not a Dalek. I am not a Dalek." Oh God, that's yeah. I want that so badly because it's so fucking stupid. It's like, why is it affecting me? I am not a dog. <laughs> because the plot, the plot has has to revolve around it, and you have to die again. I love Devros. He's a fucking great villain, and I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't touch him, and ruin him, and fucking Moffat's run. Well, Moffat's still going to be around, so. Yeah, please leave him alone, please. I love Devros. Don't ruin him for me. Well, like I said, he hasn't touched the Master of Davros yet, so I'm guessing we're probably going to see the Master again before we see Davros. To be honest, uh, the Master. I know. I, I I know a lot of people hated the Master in the End of Time, but I liked it. I, I loved the Master. I loved Johnson's <laughs> Master. I thought he was brilliant. 
And I kind of, I, I kind of see where they were coming from, but I, there's a good reason why he's fucking crazy in that last episode he was in because he was resurrected, but the re- something went wrong with his resurrection. So, so basically, you know. he was half the, in reality. He was half out of reality, so he wasn't really there. And he was just, he chewed the fucking scenery in that oh, episode. Yeah, he, did. He, was, he, was eating, he was eating more scenery than Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah. I love Johnson. I, I want him to come back. He's he's awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100, 100%, yeah. It's like, I know a lot of people were like, oh, we want the Master to regenerate, and I'm like, no. Yeah. You keep Johnson. You keep you him. keep him as long as possible. I think with Johnson, I think, I think he, if you bring him back now, I think he's going to work well with Peter Compelli. And should we talk about the awful regeneration scene now? Okay, okay, here we go. Basically, after that big, massive, massive regeneration of Man of Steel portions, <laughs> um, the Doctor basically goes back into his TARDIS. I mentioned the fish. The, you basically see all his clothes on the floor. I mentioned about the um, fish fingers and custard and stuff like that. He looks young again, and... And Clara's like, oh, why, why are you young? And said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to be like this for that long. I'm, I'm just re- resetting myself and stuff like that. And he didn't say, I don't want to go, sort of line. But he said it in his own little way. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to hop on with that. But then you had the one cameo from Amy Pont as well, which was a nice cameo. But at the same time, it's just like none of the other doctors had visions of people we're going to see. And then the doctor said, He's, this is one by the equivalent, I don't want to go line, when he says... I will always, always remember this Doctor. Which basically, basically Moffat saying, yeah, my ego is better than every other writer in Doctor Who. The problem and- with the regeneration scene is that, okay, what made David Tennant's regeneration so good was that he went through hell. He went through fucking hell and back, and at the end, he knew he was going to die and regenerate. And his I don't want to go line was so sad, yeah. so depressing, that you kind of were like, aww. Yeah. But the thing was with this, basically, he turns away, snap, there you are, there's, there's the new guy. It's like, yep, I'm sorry, we blew the budget on that regeneration scene, so if you were expecting that to be the regeneration, sorry. Sorry, no, there you go, there's, I love the fact he got a Scottish accent. Yeah, I love that. He, I love that. Like... We were speaking about this before, and uh, we did say that um, imagine him with a thick Scottish accent. Are you like, that'd be brilliant. And there we go. He got a thick Scottish accent now. So, <laughs> well, he's not the first one. Sylvester McCoy had a yeah, accent I know as well. So. Yeah, I know that. But it's just like we, we did. We were talking about this beforehand. We were like, he got, he got, he got to use his Scottish accent for 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 the Doctor. It'd be brilliant. And I'll be honest, like, looking at him, like Peter Capaldi, um, he kind of reminds me of a mix between uh, Tom Baker and um, William Herthog oh, in, yeah. in his face. Yeah. Creepy kinda... goofy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I love the way he looks at her. It's like, huh? <laughs> and also, I do like um, the fact that um, basically he was going around the TARDIS, he's like, oh yeah, by the way, do you know how to fly a TARDIS? <laughs> so you're like, okay, in the sense that that kind of makes me worried of what direction they're going to go in with this Doctor, but at the same time, the Doctor, every single time he does regenerate, he never himself, he's always a bit wacky, big wacky. Oh, fuck, the Eighth Doctor went through amnesia when he came back. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, and also the Tenth Doctor ha- was in a coma for most of his episode. Say, <laughs> like, oh, I got new teeth. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that was creepy when he was like, kidneys! <laughs> that was creepy. Kidneys. That was, that was... I've got new kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> that was creepy. I can, I can imagine, like, <laughs> the, the actress Clara Oswald, like, doing that scene for the first time, and him just yelling yeah. <laughs> like that. i got to admit, I, I'm glad that she's she's still going to be around Clara, Clara Os, Oswald. It's um, Joan Coleman, who plays her. I'm glad she's going to stick around for, for, for the for the first series with him being in it. So I'm glad about that. Yeah, because after after the bullshit she did she didn't do in this Christmas special. Yeah, you owe us a better she, series. Be fair, she's been one of my she's been my favorite companion of the new series since um, since Billy. So that's that's what I've got to say about her. <laughs> No, I, I liked her, but I wish she did more. Oh yeah, I wish she she wasn't like just there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's to be fair, she's probably been one of the most important people in the Doctor's history for being companions since since Billy Piper. I've got to say, in the new run. Um, yeah. So basically, we we got the new guy now, uh, Peter Cavalli. Um, he's there. We don't know what direction they're going to go with. All we know, they left it with. The TARDIS freaking out, and he doesn't have to fly it. So uh, it's 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 oh, I I always hate that in, in regeneration scenes where it's always like oh well you know he's regenerated but you know there's always going to be a problem. I think Sylvester McCoy was the only one who who regenerated and had his own full episode with him as the Doctor in it because of you know Colin Baker refusing to come back yeah. to and also, film. <laughs> yeah, and also didn't yeah, and then Sylvester McCoy he did he probably had the worst reason for getting regenerated. He got he got he got drive by, he got shot by a bunch of gangsters. Oh god, don't remind me of that. It's like, yeah, he was this cunning doctor, but he's too stupid to to recognize gunshots at <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They kind of wrote him down a little bit dumb in that that special, but And I hated how his last words were, I'm not human, don't operate on me. <laughs> so basically they're like, Okay, we can protect two hearts. Oh no, the machines might be playing up. Shock him <laughs> this man is dying. <laughs> Not to mention the Frankenstein regeneration sequence. That was really fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, that was very bizarre. But hey, we got Paul McGann, and he could have been such a great doctor. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with Doctor Who now, considering that we've got a new doctor. It's on the horizon. So fingers crossed, he he's going to do a good job. It's like I'm, like I said, I, I am going to miss Matt Smith not as much as David as I did with David Tennant. Because the thing was with David Tennant is was that I was basically fifteen at the time when he when he basically came about on screen, and he didn't leave until I was twenty. So I was with that Doctor for about five years. Yeah, same same with me because I, I remember watching it back in two thousand. Six was it? Nori came along. Yeah, yeah. I was so I was like sixteen at the time I was watching him, and he was just charming as all hell. Yeah, I I, I love David Tennant. He's charming, funny, and he just knew how to how to 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 make a good doctor. He was really charming, really funny, really fun, and you 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 believed him. You know, so I think the other thing that helped him a lot was that his companion at the time, um, Billy Piper, Rose, Rose Tyler. They have worked so well off each other, and you could you could you could believe that those two are falling in love with each other as well. Yeah, I I really liked I really liked the dynamic with with him and Rose, but until you know they fucking ruined Rose's character. But that's another story. <laughs> I think they ruined her character then. 
What well, you mean the fiftieth? Yeah. Well, they didn't. It's, the thing is about the 50, it's not actually her. That's that's the whole thing about it. Yeah, it's like... Ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I'm the one thing that messed up with the 50. And also the other thing which they released for the 50th as well was An Adventure in Space and Time. Did you watch that? I watched that. I thought it was a really good uh, special. I loved that, the bits. I loved that special, the bits. I thought it was so... And also, the guy that got the play is William Hartnell as well. Creepily, creepily looks so much like William Hartnell himself. Yeah, everyone looked like, like like the people that they were playing in. And I really recommend this this little short movie to people who, who want to... Who, who want to get into who want to get into Doctor Who's uh, production history? Who want to know like you know what happened between uh, first Doctor, second Doctor, and where the regeneration idea comes from, and and how the show started? I I, th- I thought it was really really good. I, I I loved it. I thought it was really great. And and then the guy that that they got to play um, William Hurtaw, he was really great. In it, yeah. so he was the guy from. Um, you might know him from playing Filch in the Harry Potter films. More, yeah, and he, and he was really good. He was really fucking good. He was actually appeared in episode Doctor Who, which is Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, when he played the main bad guy in it. <laughs> everyone, everyone these days appears in like one <laughs> Doctor Who episode before they get their official role. Yeah, <laughs> but the um, Bench of Space and Time basically followed the whole, the whole followed the whole storyline of. The first actor, William Hart, will come in, take um, doing the role for how many years did he do it for? Three, three, four years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it basically just followed him from day one up to his final appearance when Patrick Troughton took over, and it was really touchy, really special. It, and also the references they were having, like little stories, like um, you, you, you know, the whole bit when uh, basically um, the the lighting in the studio would set off the fire alarm. That <laughs> yeah, happened. that actually did happen sometimes. Yeah, because cause ba- cause, you know with Doctor Who, it was always a low budget show, and it still is. Like you know, it's not. It it, 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 it probably not as low budget as it is, used to be, but when it first started out, people called it a kids show. <laughs> yeah, people said it's a kids show and stuff like that. We want something for the kids to enjoy, which is going to be a sci fi program. And I never really thought that that when with looking at like episodes of the of the. Um, of the first and second Doctor, sure they were goofy, but I I didn't think that they were kids' stories. I mean, they were, they were like decent enough for the whole family. Yeah, sure, but they weren't dumbed down to to kids' oh, programs, you know. Not at all. But um, I think the thing I liked about the special as well, basically, all the in references to to the stuff how the um how they made the original theme, how they made the sound of the TARDIS going down. That side of the piano wire, the studio lights off the fire alarm. Apparently, that the original showrunner and editor and also the director had a lot of grief for people inside the BBC because the the original the original head director was um, Indian, and out there, no one wanted an Indian director, and also the showrunner was a was a woman. So yeah, I mean, and it was it was really interesting, like see, hearing about this because. Because, like, again, First Doctor's era, barely never, like, no one ever really talks about it, but it's really interesting to, to go behind the scenes and, and, and realize that, you know, oh, they, they were facing so much problems and so much, you know, trouble backstage that everyone was like, yeah, this shit ain't gonna fucking last. <laughs> so they basically wanted to pull the plug, and 
they basically um, the the female showman was like, no, we can do this, we can do, we can do this. Just give us a chance, and they're like, okay, okay. You got until the end of your episode run to try to get this show back on track. One thing I did love as well is basically the constant references to when people inside the Daleks and also Simon said, oh, can I take this thing off? He said, no, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> put on those things, especially the one scene when you see the Cybermen sitting on a rock and basically leaning on the rock, basically having a cigarette. because again back then you know they were just guys in fucking suits and you know (laughs) I just thought that was brilliant basically guys sitting down on the rock and that's classic (laughs) Cyberman outfits both smoking the fag and stuff like that and uh, (laughs) and the thing was that William Hartwell loved this role and I think they portrayed so well on screen because he didn't want to leave he wanted to keep doing it but it was impossible because of his health oh yeah and mentioning his health like if you watch the three doctors the one thing that's really depressing about that episode is his health, and you can tell like he was suffering from yeah Alzheimer's yeah and, and he couldn't and he couldn't remember most of most of anything, and his wife told him told told the producers back then okay he's gonna do it but don't make him stand up have him read cue cards yeah because what they did like the advisors planned him basically sitting down in this chair they had the stream on him they had the cue cards slightly off screen and he just read off from there because the thing was that when he got to near towards the older older of his age he still thought himself as the doctor you know yeah and it was really just sad seeing him like in that state but it was a great episode because again uh you know John John Poultry, you know, another one of my favorite doctors really, you know, carried that episode and, and everyone was nice to him. Like, you know, no one no one really had anything bad to say about him. No one treated him badly and, and nothing, and you know. The thing I mean, was that when um because what happened was, um I don't know if you've seen this, but after when they played the special, they played like a five minute short, basically going behind the scenes of talking to the actual people who actually worked on it. And they interviewed one of his companions, one of his original old companions. I think it was the male teacher. And um, he was saying that apparently he was grumpy on set. Like, he was, a, he literally was a grumpy old man. That's what he was. <laughs> and apparently, when he had a go, the next day he comes in, he basically brought brought roses for, for the female people and then brought tins of biscuits for, for the blokes. Basically, his way of saying sorry. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, because the thing, the reason why he loved the role so much was that he, how can I describe it, is that he was, he at the time, he was just doing all these hard men characters, like really mean, nasty characters, and this basically gave him a chance to do something different. And he loved Yeah, to play, to, to play the protagonist who's this kind, gentle old man who happens to be a time traveler. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, and... Um, <laughs> His granddaughter, and in the little scene after, they actually speak to, spoke to her granddaughter, saying, "Oh, um, do you how do you remember him and stuff like that?" Because they, they showed him some rare video footage that wasn't seen nearly like nearly fifty years now. They showed her it's basically him sitting down, getting re- ready to do a panto at the time on the on. Wow! And it's like three months just after doing Doctor Who, and basically him talking talking about, "Oh, how you feel about leaving the show and stuff like that?" And, and it's basically him, basically her. That is granddaughter sitting down watching it for the first time and then giving her reactions on it, which I thought was amazing. Wow. <laughs> but but like I really recommend the, the you know an adventure in space and time because it really you know for people who want to know about you know the behind the scenes stuff and I think 
Another thing that really fascinates me about Doctor Who is, again, the behind-the-scenes stuff, because it's, it's really interesting to, to see, you know, friendships, uh, you know, to see, like, friendships form, to see actors who, like Matt Smith, who, who never really, you know, would have made it in the industry if it wasn't for Doctor Who, oh. you know? It's like, the, the, thing, the thing I liked about this whole special, basically, dressed a lot of things that went on in the early days of Doctor Who, and it dressed a lot of stuff that a lot of things Doctor Who had to go through, like it mentioned regeneration, it mentioned um, problems, production problems, changing hands of different showrunners, different producers, and stuff like that. And also, the one thing that really got to me, the one thing that got to me in the whole special was basically him sitting there, leaning over the TARDIS, about to give his final line, and you see Matt Smith on the other side there, next to him, him basically him looking into the future to see where, where the show going. I thought that was just... Yeah, so that good. was... that. Yeah, that made me cry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that really... <laughs> and then at the very end, basically, you see the whole studio shut down and stuff like that during closing time. You see the, like, the TARDIS in the background with full Daleks, and then the Cold Soul, and you see like TV screen playing with the original, original William Harpel standing there giving his final lines and stuff like that. I thought that was... Very nicely done. I like that scene because it just goes to show that this was a show that no one had any faith in. Yeah. No one said it would be anything, but here we are, 50 fucking years later. And it... And it's, it's a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. So it's 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 the little engine that could. It's it's one of those shows that was looked down by the mainstream. BBC was like, yeah, this this isn't gonna last, and yeah. and they gave it a chance, and it got huge. Like again, Tom Baker came along, and it got huge. Yeah. The thing was, the one thing that cemented it popularity, I would say, there wouldn't be no Doctor if there were no Cybermen. Because those Cybermen, they did show it quite well. Basically, those Cybermen became popular overnight. It's interesting to see on love when you see like the female showrunner. I can't remember her name, but she's sitting down in the bus, and all the kids coming on acting as Daleks, say, exterminate, exterminate. Yeah, the Daleks and the Cybermen. Like you know, there would be no show without them. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing, the original thing was the original, um, the original um, brawl, um, controller of the BBC at the time. He basically said he wanted no sci-fi bug monsters. <laughs> and the thing I love about these are one of these sci-fi bug bug monsters, aren't they? They say like, no, they're inside metal robot suits. They're still those sci- sci-fi bugs monsters. You can't have them because he, he <laughs> yeah. wanted just going to historical time, especially when they get they went to China. And I love that line when when they basically when when, when the guy was playing William Hartnell sits down on like like the on like the big massive um, emperor's throne. He looks around. It's like all these bright gold and red colors everywhere. And he said. He said the one line that made me laugh a little bit. He went, "Too bad, no one to be able to see these colours," <laughs> which I thought was a nice little nod there, because all winning Hartwell stuff is black and white, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No one will see these colours, and again, it's one of those things where you know, looking back at it, you know, television back then it was still a new medium. It wasn't yeah. anything people wanted to put money and time into, but you know, again. It's the little show that could, you know, it's 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 still here 50 years later. I mean, it isn't like Star Trek where, you know, Star Trek lasted, you know, a couple while and and it and it's now a movie franchise. Now it's like it's still going and that's what I love about it so much. Yeah. I love the fact that it's still going and I love I love I love that it's still going and and there's this history and and people and fandom and and all this stuff based on one TV show that's just still going on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, sure, there was a hiatus during that 50 years, but again, it basically had much of a following. It came back in 2005, so it must... The fans were there, they were were just waiting. And the BBC knew that, otherwise they wouldn't bring it back. Yeah. For what they'd done, and like, I've got to say, um, it's like, because this, because because we mentioned, we might mention us mention Paul Gann quite a bit, like, in 2005 wasn't the first attempt to try to bring back, it was originally when they brought Paul McGann in to do the Doctor Who movie special. That was the first attempt. That was meant to be a backdoor pilot into a new series, Doctor Who, but it didn't pick up because it wasn't the right episode to start off with, to be honest. It wasn't the right story to try to represent what do- what the new Doctor Who was going to be, and there was a few problems with it. But Yeah, I mean, my problem with that movie was that it tried so fucking hard to be like X-Files, because, you know, X-Files was really big back then, and they tried really hard to be like that. Yeah, and plus, also, yeah, just like trying to be more mystery, and also saying that the Doctor's half-human, stuff like that. A lot of, quite... And uh, not to mention Eric Roberts' horrendous fucking performance as the Master. Oh, God, don't <laughs> get me started with that. He's, he's mostly a B-list movie actor now, isn't he? Yeah. Where uh, Eric Roberts is like, okay, how can I play this evil, over-the-top villain? Just smile a lot and sneer. Yeah. Just sneer. When I looked at him, I just thought <laughs> myself, wait, are you the liquid metal Terminator from Terminator 2 Judgment Day? <laughs> Especially with the sunglasses and stuff. Uh, where he's like, where is the Asian boy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's that was a weird, weird special. Yeah, it's like, okay, Asian... Because I'm sorry, if, if like, uh, uh, someone who I want, who worked at the hospital came in dressed as a fucking, um, in leather jacket and sunglasses and started talking all creepily like that, I'm like, yeah, um, are you gonna molest him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just awful, awful. He was really awful, but again, Paul McGann really made it for me because he was a charming fucking yeah. doctor. He was, he, you know, everyone was like, oh, Matt Smith, he was really charming as a doctor. I'm like, no, I mean, before Matt Smith, Paul McGann was the Matt Smith of that of that time. Oh, yeah, you know? it was. Yeah, it was like, it was really charming and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it did have its problem. Cause it was trying to be like X Factor. It came out in 1996 when X, when um, X Files just, just started, wasn't it? And it was quite on a huge high. Yeah. And, and, um, and again, like, you know, with, in the 90s, uh, television became really huge, and then they were like, "Okay, how can we, you know, compare with stuff like Next Generation and yeah. Deep, or Deep Space Nine at the time?" And and it was just, it was awful. It was really all over the place. But you know, Paul McGann, he got screwed over. I think it's a travesty that we never got a run with him because he was great. I yeah. loved him. I think the other thing which was kind of weird about it as well was that he, um, how can I describe it? It was that I think it didn't help that it was a joint venture with BBC and Fox. Yeah, <laughs> that, that didn't help because the whole entire episode set set in America, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just some of the stuff they do in it is very, very questionable. Again, where they introduce his companion Grace, and the first thing she's she's like, "Oh, I'm at an opera," and it's like, "Why are you there? Why are you at an opera? That makes no fucking sense. Shouldn't you be at the fucking hospital where you're working?" Ugh. Yeah. Not to mention, oh, I know why she's in an opera, because we can put her in a low-cut dress that exposes her cleavage. Yeah. (laughs) And also, you heard us mention about um, um, Sylvester McCoy getting shot down by um, um, the Asian gangsters as well. Yeah, because, again, he was really, I mean, again, the TARDIS was malfunctioning, but I'm sorry, they shot at the TARDIS... 
before he went out. So he should have heard that fucking gunshot. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and also the other thing which I did feel quite weird as well, when the um was the interior of the TARDIS. That's got to be the biggest interiors of the TARDIS we have ever seen. Yeah, not to mention, I love the fact that it's malfunctioning and it crashes, but when he comes out, he's all, like, strolling and it's all okay and stuff. Yeah. Like, do-do-do-do-do. For anyone who <laughs> hasn't seen the special, seen the Doctor Who movies, that, well, Doctor Who film movie, was that... The thing that was really, really annoying about it, basically, it, it, the whole storyline was basically about the Master having no more lives, and basically he got assassinated by a council of Daleks... Wrong. <laughs> and basically the, the basically the request was that his remains would take back to Gadafray by the doctor. But somehow the master cheated that with some sort of liquid form. That's the reason why I like calling him the liquid doctor. The 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 T the um thing from T Judgment Day. Yeah, it's just like the production for this was all over the place because the thing was, it, it was an English, America, and Canadian for joint venture of the Yeah, because, because, yeah, because, because you can tell they tried to cut budgets <laughs> with, with, with the CGI. And I'm sorry, I refuse to believe that the master is actually just a little fucking liquid snake, okay? I just, really, <laughs> I'm just, just looking at it now, it was actually split between three studios, three production groups. That's BBC, Universal Studios, and 20th Century Fox. Also, I love the fact. Okay, as much as as much as this movie is so mediocre, I will, I will, I did get a laugh at towards the end of the movie where Eric Roberts showed up in a Ming the Merciless outfit. Oh, I was wondering about that. Like, <laughs> what on earth? And he, and he didn't help that he had those yellow glowing eyes as well. I know that was referring back to the Master's final final episode, Survivor, when he basically had cat DNA, tiger cat DNA inside of him, but still. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't have the whole mean look. Yeah, not to mention he's like, oh, this, but because in the entire movie he's like, oh, this body will not hold up, but he does a lot of shit in it. So yeah, for a body that's not going to hold up for a while, you sure do a lot of shit in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm kind of glad that this didn't get picked up. In in the sense, I I know it's a bit of tragic that Paul McGann didn't get a run, but. But yeah, again, I was happy they came back for the little short he did. And also, he went on to a lot of the big Finnish production um, radio dramas, which I've been told they're quite good. I need to find those sometime. <laughs> yeah, they're really good to work. And also, he actually got his son to actually work, um, be in some of the episodes as well. Because basically, <laughs> he was working for the company that big Finnish production as a, was it, a media intern for work experience. And basically, he, he said to one of the people working, there, he went, okay, my son being one of them. Went, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, no, and it's kind of weird that now it's like Paul McGann is like one year younger than Paul, the the current Doctor Peter Capaldi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that 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 does make me wonder. But yeah, again, Paul McGann, I think he's out most of the doctors. He's went on to done quite a few things. A lot, he done done a lot of television, a lot of television. Yeah, and well, he was in Lesbian Vampire Killers, but now it's. We're not going to address that piece of history of him again. It's like it's like saying David Tennant was in um, Saint Trillions. Oh God! <laughs> oh well, well, okay. well on, honestly, well, okay. well, too. Oh yeah, well, honestly, yeah. I kind of, I kind of like. Well, I I did like the Nativity movies; those were really good. Yeah. I thought he was only in the second one, like Nativity Two. He wasn't in the first one. He was in the first one. What, David Tennant? 
Yeah. I need to double check that because I I <laughs> think it's not him. I think he was only in the second one. I don't know, but I love I love those but movies. In the it second was one, a... he meets up with the actress who plays Queen Elizabeth in the 50th special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like those actresses. Cause I first saw her with um, Gavin and Stacey. And that's another good comedy show, if anyone want to watch. Which they did try to get America remake of that, and thank God that did not get picked up. Well, thank God they didn't pick do an American because I because because the 1996 movie like they originally wanted that to be like an American movie in theaters done by like Americans and and I swear I shit you not they wanted Rowan Atkinson to be the doctor in that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, you mean you mean the Red Nose Day special? No, they ser- they originally wanted like um, back in 1998 or 1997, uh, Paramount wanted to make uh, a U.S. version of Doctor Who a movie, and one of the people they wanted to to play the Doctor was uh, Rowan Atkins. It's funny you mention that because you know in 19 in what was it 1999 they did a Red Nose Day special. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is ironic. <laughs> which apparently which called the curse of the was it oh the flatulent death or something like that. Which it's funny for if even though it's just like one giant fart joke. Yeah, pretty much. It's basically they're just all farting towards the end of it, and also then uh, Junior and Lindley turns up as a female doctor at the end of it. That was quite funny. <laughs> and ironically enough, that was written by Stephen Moffat. Ironically enough. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Sure. <laughs> so you can be good, Moffat, but you know, you you just. You know, stop trying. <laughs> stop trying. <laughs> yeah, but basically, for any spire writers out there, um, just basically take this guy's advice. Just don't try. Just go. Just go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I could make a good long arc with the Eleventh Doctor, but why bother? <laughs> yeah. And if I'm trying to rack my head around, are there any other specials that they did? Because I know they did the countdown on, on BBC3, they did the countdown of the ultimate Doctor Who villains and stuff like that, when they basically had a bit bit talked about it with someone, and then they um, then they basically showed the the first appearance of the episode with those monsters that first appeared in on BBC3, mm-hmm. which they did. Yeah. And they also did, oh, what was the other thing? They did this program with this actual physicist sort of thing, basically talking about the science of Doctor Who as well on BBC Two, when Matt Smith actually does turn up in as the Doctor with him and this physicist having an actual conversation and actually trying to see if the physics of Doctor Who, if they do apply to actual real physics in the real world. It's kind of convoluted, but interesting thing to look at. Um, interestingly, in, interesting, yeah, interestingly enough, um, Forbes uh, what was it. There was a science and technology magazine in the UK, and and I got the recent issue, and they actually do talk about um, all the science in Doctor Who. Like they they put in each Doctor and which which Doctor used this, which Doctor used that, and it was really interesting, like real world stuff that was actually used in in Doctor Who. Oh yeah. Where it's like the first Doctor was time travel, second Doctor was, you know, uh, what was it the, uh, I don't remember, but, uh, you know, third third Doctor was, you know, reversing polarity and stuff like that. It's, just, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, because I, I think. a lot of people, if you get confused with the science behind it, some science they do use is proper. 
Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not all of it. We're not saying Doctor Who is basically true to what, what life, how life and science and the mysteries of the... Dude, we're talking about a show where there's rips in the whole of reality, for God's sake. Yeah, and also <laughs> giant metal Cybermen and Daleks and basically the most deadly creatures on the planet of Pence Dispensers. Pence Dispensers, <laughs> but pets, salt and pepper pots, so you know. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's really interesting, and I mean, uh, like I w- I just wish like they would just get someone else to to do like a show to be a showrunner than Moffat because Moffat's just gotten really fucking lazy with with his writing. I and... think they need to change up showrunners. I don't mind Moffat staying around because the thing is that Moffat back when Russell T Davis show writer, he wrote some really good episodes. Yeah, he was good, and I liked him because you know uh, you know with Russell T Davis he actually introduced story arcs into his into his Doctor Who stories. Yeah. And uh but with with uh Moffat, he was he, Moffat is just one of those guys who thinks that okay, every episode should just be like a standalone story, which doesn't fucking work these day and age. Yeah. These, like, this day and age. Two-parters, like 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 we said about Victory the Dalek. I think that would serve to be a better episode if it was a two-parter. Not to mention, uh, God, he, I think Matt Smith fought the Daleks more than any other doctor I can think of. <laughs> um, I'm guessing. I'm I don't not know. 100% sure about that, but Matt Smith had a standalone episode with just focuses around the Daleks. Um, I don't know, I need to look that back. I think David Tennant probably dealt with Daleks more so far, but um, you might you might be right on that. I'm not 100% sure. Because, 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 goddamn, I, I, I've seen him fight Daleks more than anything else. <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember him doing anything else. Well, okay, yeah, there was that "Let's Get Kill Hitler" episode, which was just fucking garbage. Well, he, he's probably the one that dealt with River Song the most, and I think we're not going to see her as much because Bupita Cabelli's going to be in it now, and um, I think she's still going to be around, but not as much. But yeah, you know, yeah, again, it did. To be fair, he has had some really good monsters to work off with. To be honest, like, like I love, I love the silence. They're, they're they're interesting, and I wish that they were developed better. But the thing is, I think they're a bit of a rip off character of Josh Whedon's characters um, from Buffy. Yeah, the, yeah, the gentleman, yeah. which I'm not even gonna mention that. <laughs> no, but yeah, again, I feel they're a bit of a rip off of those characters. But you know. They're, they're, they're good. The signs are good. And also, his weeping angels are quite clever as well. But again, I wish he'd given... I wish he'd give someone else to write an episode for the weeping angel. I'm interested to see someone else writing a weeping angel episode that's not him. You know who I really want to, to see come on the show write one episode? Who? Charlie Brooker. Oh. I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to see him write something. Because he's a good writer. You know what I would love to do, basically, if he writes an episode, basically, about television reality, sort of like they did with Ratchet Clank, Deadlock type of show? <laughs> well, I think that would work very, very well in that sort of style with his media, with black books. You, you know what I mean. Yeah, because I just I just want, like, anyone else to, 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 to take a crack at it, because, I mean... You know when Peter Jackson said he wants to write a, he want to write a two-part, he wants to direct a two-part of Doctor Who. Oh, that'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> That's the reason why he appeared in the um, Five Doctors special. But he basically, he he wants some rules when he's doing it. I think the rules are, well, he's, he's, he's guaranteed, well, he wants to film it in New Zealand. Of course. <laughs> and also, the save, 
also to save money on on docs on the BBC paying him a load of money. Basically, he will he would cut down on his pay rate if they give him a life size replica of one one of the model Daleks to take back home with him. <laughs> I'm being serious on that. <laughs> That's a true fan right there. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you can cut down my pay. I just want one of those Daleks to take back home with me. <laughs> I I would be interested to see that honestly. <laughs> oh, you don't know. It's like he appeared in Five Doctors. Maybe somewhere down the line he might come along and do it. Just just hope it was it's a two part though, so we get to have him a bit longer. <laughs> I'm just interested in, in Peter Capaldi because again, you know, new Doctor, new possibilities. But I just want someone to write more episodes other than Moffat because yeah. again, you know, I they need to mix it up. They they kind of need to mix it up. And again, there's this stupid fucking backlash where it's like, oh, he's too old, and I'm like, yeah, because William Hurtthaw was a really young guy back in. <laughs> yeah, it's like William Hartnell. <laughs> Tom Baker, John Pertwee, Patrick Troughton. <laughs> Ironically enough, before Matt Smith, uh, uh, David, uh, what's his name? David Tennant. Fifth, no, not the what's it? Yeah, Fifth Doctor. What's his name again? Colin Baker. The Fifth Doctor. Oh, uh, Peter Davison. Yeah, Peter Davison was ironically the youngest Doctor before uh, Matt Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. He was the young. He, he was the young person of the group. Yeah, and we did mention that Peter uh, Peter Davison was actually the director of the Five Doctorish. Yeah, he was, and he did a good job. Yeah, it was so, his first ever piece of directing work, though. I don't know. I, I maybe I, I, I loved him at the proms. Have you seen Doctor at the proms? Yeah, he was really good. Oh, oh it was just him coming out, <laughs> and he's like, "Wow, all you see to remember me? Woo! Wow, this is fun." <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love Time Clash with him and David Tennant. That was really funny. Yeah, that was nice to see him back. And also, for anyone who don't know, you probably know this if you're listening to this for this long, but um, David Tennant's actually um, currently married to his daughter, who played the Doctor's daughter in the Doctor's Daughter episode. So there's a lot of incest going on there. Oh, yeah. And also, I do find it funny, going back to the five Doctors again, is that... She's basically pregnant the whole time, run and like she's basically getting these weird cravings, and you see a stick of celery. She's dipping it in chocolate. It's just weird. which basically that's halfing back to who he always wore a stick of celery on his um, cricket jacket. Yeah, that and, was probably that was probably the only interesting thing about his doctor, really. And the other thing that did make me laugh about that as well was when um, she is Peter Davis to keep calling up, keep speaking to David, and like, okay, can you do this for my father? Da, da, da. Went okay, this last time, and suddenly she's on the phone. She's like, David, David. It's like, oh, oh well, and he's basically heard just about to give birth as well. I just thought that was just quite funny. <laughs> Because cause I like it because it's just really dark humor that you don't see in, in, in most Doctor Who stuff. <laughs> and also, they break the four walls well, just remembered, at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> when we say, hey, who's those people over there filming? Oh, that's that, that's that's a uh, minor film crew filming the making of, of the Doctor Who special. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Again, I want to see this as a series. I want to see a Curb Your Enthusiasm type mockumentary with these guys. <laughs> oh, God. Because again, let's be honest. Like Colin Baker and Peter Davison ain't, ain't doing shit these days. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. Overall, fifty years of Doctor Who has it been worth it with all the specials? Yes, I would say. Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been really good. It's been so enjoyable to start to finish. It's basically been a good year for Doctor Who just in general. Twenty thirteen is not going to be an easy year to follow up, but you know, 
Again, uh, because you know me, I've, I've been critical of Matt Smith's run, and honestly, it's a pretty mediocre run. I, you know, maybe who knows? Maybe if he didn't quit, his character would have developed better, and yeah. he would have done better stuff. But again, uh, Matt Smith, you know, I think he realized, yeah, I'm I'm still like in my 30s now, and you know, once you're in your 30s, you're really you're you know you're going to be popular in Hollywood because you know they they look for 30 year old actors more than younger actors so so I'm guessing that's what he's going to be doing and you know best of luck best of luck to him I mean he's a he's a he's a nice guy I, I mean but he's not my favorite doctor and again you know best of luck to him and hopefully he doesn't tur- turn into Christopher Eccleston and just you know shit on the the entire franchise oh yeah definitely ooh. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so yeah, um, 50 Years of Doctor Who, worth watching. <laughs> yeah, worth watching. But yeah, Christopher Eccleston, goddamn, you couldn't even come back to do like a one five-second cameo on the 50th. <laughs> yeah, it's like he said, it's like he actually got on record in an interview, which kind of pissed off quite a few Doctor Who fans, because he was being interviewed about Doctor Who and he said, oh, I don't know, I'm not going to be coming back. And then in another interview, he basically, they asked him about For the Dark World too, and they basically said to him, oh, you're going to come back as a Doctor? You're going to come back um, as Manakite? And he went, you never know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which, again, how good, of, how good would the War Doctor's regeneration would have been if he just came back? Yeah, that would have been really good. <laughs> what been said, said about... Um, said about Chris Eccleston is that he only wanted in there for what what was it like two days worth of filming basically one day of filming and one day for pickups that was it yep and he was too lazy to do that (laughs) well uh, like like I said he got more important films to do now like like for example he got G.I. Joe in um, Fall Fall 2 (laughs) yeah he's not had a good career after finishing Doctor Who which is kind of ironic because he only did it for like one year, and really, if it wasn't for Doctor Who, he wouldn't be well known anymore. Because he was, he was. I'm sorry, but he was washed up before he did Doctor Who. The problem was that <laughs> his most known film at the time before he did Doctor Who was Gone in Sixty Seconds. Oh God! Played the bad guy in that. <laughs> you remember that when he when he says like, so where where do you want to be sh- sh- shot in the head or the chest? But he also <laughs> did. Um, 28 Days Later as well? He was good in that, but he was really forgettable. Yeah. Like, I remember him just, like, in one scene where they're in the safe house and he's talking to them, but other than that, I really don't remember much of that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, he, like I said, he's not had a good career off Doctor Who, to be honest. It's just like... I, again, like I said, you know, he was washed up before Doctor Who, so, you know, Doctor Who kind of regenerated his career. Yeah. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, very funny, very funny. <laughs> Like the only thing I've seen him in good, which I would recommend watching, is the um, Shadow Line TV series. Have you seen Shallow Grave? Because that's an, an old movie that he was in that was really fucking good. I have not <laughs> no, I need to go yeah. and watch that. Shallow Grave, really great movie. Okay, I'll take a look into that then. Ooh. This was like back in 1995, so you know, <laughs> way before that. Oh, fair enough. Oh, that's. Hmm, okay. I'm, do, I'm just going through his film, my biography, and he basically did a film called The Seeker, and guess guess what the name of his character was? What? Riddler. <laughs> oh my god, was it the, the Seeker of the Darkest Rising? Was he in that? Yeah. 
Oh my god, that was a fucking awful movie. But yeah, one of the seconds why I known him in before anything else because he was like the main bad guy in that. And I'm not gonna lie, Andrew the Jolie looks very very fit in that film. God, I, th- I think one of my favorite lines in Gun in 60 Seconds was when uh, he has him tied up and he's le- and, and explains his plan to him and he's like, why are you doing this? Because I'm an asshole, that's why. <laughs> oh my god, damn it. <laughs> it's bad enough I have to sit through Nicolas Cage trying to act horribly again. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is that Gone in 60 Seconds, what people don't know, it was a, it was a remake of an original film made back in the, the mid-70s. Which, again, made, you know, remake of a movie no one really remembers and doesn't have that much of a cult following. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that can work. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like I said, like, that was starring Nicolas Cage, Andy Jolie, um, Cricket, uh, but again, um, like I said, some some actors in that role went on to do bigger things, like Andy Jolie is, like, one of the biggest female actors in Hollywood now. <laughs> Which is, ironically enough, uh, Peter, uh, what's it, Peter Capaldi is going to be in Maleficent, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of weird, yeah. The one reason why I want to see that film is because Angie Jolene's in leather, black leather. Oh, she looks creepy in that in that trailer. That was weird. I do her. <laughs> it's kind of weird because cause I remember Peter Capaldi talking about his role and he's like, I'm going to be the king of the fairies and he's going to be like this little CGI <laughs> version of himself. <laughs> oh my god. i got to see that now. i got definitely got to see that now. You just sold me on it 100%. <laughs> Because I saw an interview with him, and he was talking about it, and I'm like, where can I see this movie now? I, think <laughs> it, I know it's out next on the, May the 30th of 2014. So he's going to be, oh, god damn, Peter Capaldi's going to be a busy guy next uh, next year as well. Yeah, so. he's, that's what I mean, that's what I mean. I think he's one of the most well-known established actors next to Chris Rexon at the time doing Doctor Who, coming into it, um coming into it who you know doing it and also he was in World War C as well and his character was Who Doctor yeah, Who Doctor <laughs> very funny very funny writers well done a funny story about that as well where they were asking what his what his role was and he's like oh I came in I came in the end because his role came was was shoehorned in in reshoots yeah <laughs> which Who stand for World Health Organization in the in the world we'll see. You know what I want to see? I want to see a Doctor Who episode with him and Craig Ferguson because <laughs> if, if you know their history. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. Uh, the, 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 I, I think they could work well off together on Doctor Who script if it's written correctly. Because uh, for, for those who don't know, they used to be in a band together in the seventies. I'm guessing. Yeah, it was around the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they did acid, so it's really funny. Oh god, yeah, and also he's got the the Musketeer films coming coming out as well, the television yeah. film. So which, which is uh, which is kind of weird because again, it's another BBC production. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Peter Comboa, he got so much going on at the moment, so it'd be kind of interesting to see how he's going to juggle Doctor Who with all his other commitments. So. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. I, I'm going to look forward to the new new series of Doctor Who on the horizon, which should start up around um, start around about Easter time as usual here in the UK. But for anyone who wants to know what is what this guy and Peter Crombie acting style is like, um, I can give you two recommendations if you want to see him something something good. Is that go and watch him in in the thick of it and in the loop. 
Yeah, he was really great in that. And I also recommend um, he directed a short film called uh, Fra- uh, Kaf- what's his name? Uh, the uh, I think it was Frank Franz Kafka's "It's a Wonderful Life." Yes. Uh, yeah. Watch that, because that's a really, really weird, surreal fucking movie that actually won him an Oscar, so... <laughs> there you go, that's his recommendation. You got my recommendation, so go go and look for him. Because, <laughs> again, I mean, if you look at his at his history, he's done a lot of, like, TV work in the 80s and, 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 and currently, so he's a busy fucking guy, and, you know... Yeah, he's, he's, he's in his mid-50s now, so, you know... It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be weird. Like, and then, because think about it. Like, when the next series airs in in April or March, um, he's gonna be fifty six. <laughs> yeah, and it was gonna be even worse as well. He will be either just hitting his sixties when they do, if he does stick around for this long, if they do the fifty five year anniversary. Oh my god. So you know he be, he's going to be the oldest doctor if if he does stay there for that long. <laughs> God, John Hurt would be dead before him. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. <laughs> well, John Hurt is actually the oldest one to play the doctor because he's in his seventies now, right? Um, yeah, he's he's seventy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he ain't... I'm sorry, again, Moffat, don't give me that shit about, well, Peter Capaldi's the oldest doctor, but, you know, you already had John Hurt's character, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I've really got nothing else to say about 50 years Doctor Who. I've probably said everything I needed to say. Yeah. So, again, long uh, hour and a half. I hope you enjoyed us talking about Doctor Who, and if you haven't checked it out, then what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> You're going to enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, check it out. Uh, there are tons of DVDs you can buy. Yeah. yeah. So, again. I just realized one thing, just to end on, on a quick note. The band he was in called the Dream Boys. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was the lead singer. So, anyone want to look up his work, he was a punk rock band called the Dream Boys. So, you know, look that up. Yeah. So, once again, this has been the Hello Governor the Podcast, and I was Abdullah, and with me was Tom. And we'll see you all later. Reverse the polarity.